Welcome back to Black Southern Gothic, where this week we'll be talking about Parchment Farm in context for Jesmine Ward's Sing Unburied Sing. In constant sorrow Perhaps some of you may have seen the 2000 Coen Brothers movie, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou?, or have heard the massively popular soundtrack. The film makes reference to Parchment Farm, the colloquial name for the Mississippi State Penitentiary, one of the most famous prisons in the U.S. and known around the world for its cruelty, legends, and music. The movie opens with a chain gang on the railroad, and used a song called Poe Lazarus, which was actually recorded at Parchman Prison by Alan Lomax. Yes, the same Alan Lomax who worked with Zora Neale Hurston and recorded her voice. Poe Lazarus is a work song, and it's the first song that I played on this podcast episode. Parchman Farm was established in 1901 when the state bought a former plantation in the Mississippi Delta formerly owned by the Parchman family. Convicts picked cotton and planted on a 20,000-acre compound with antebellum buildings and in notoriously inhumane conditions. According to the Innocence Project website, in one of its first years in the early 1900s, Parchment earned the state of Mississippi $185,000, about $5 million today. Incarcerated folks worked for 15-hour shifts in Mississippi heat, and because of this, going to Parchment was a death sentence for even the smallest crime. They knew prison labor would kill them. In order to understand why prisoners were farming for Mississippi's profit, you must understand a certain loophole in the 13th Amendment of our Constitution, which stated that although involuntary servitude, slavery, were now illegal, incarcerated people or convicts were an exception. As historian David Oshinsky argues in Worse Than Slavery, Parchment Farm and the Ordeal of Jim Crow Justice, The U.S. economy built itself up through forced, unpaid labor, and after the Civil War, quote, they needed a workforce, end quote. He goes on to say, 
The best workforce and the cheapest workforce they could get were convicts who were being arrested for largely minor offenses then leased out for $9 a month. Lest we think plantations ended with the Civil War, this scramble for cheap or unpaid labor proved it did not. White planters tried everything and anything, including imported workers from China to the sharecropping system, which made sure that black farmers would be indebted on their plantations. And this continues until today. In 2010, the federal court upheld the 13th Amendment loophole, continuing the practice of free prison labor. The penal labor system used minor offenses to create a labor force. They used a series of laws called Black Codes or Jim Crow laws, which were created in order to target Black people, even children, in the U.S. South, imprison them for things like stealing a pig, loitering, cohabiting with a white person, which would earn them five-plus years, then leasing them out as labor. Even though O Brother Where Art Thou tells the stories of three white prison laborers on the railroad, in reality, Mississippi's prison population during the era of Jim Crow was about 90% black. I want to read a quote about race and incarceration from Michelle Alexander's book, The New Jim Crow, Mass Incarceration in the Age of Colorblindness. All of us violate the law at some point in our lives. In fact, if the worst thing you have ever done is speed 10 miles over the speed limit on a freeway, you have put yourself and others at more risk of harm than someone smoking marijuana in the privacy of his or her own living room. Yet there are people in the United States serving life sentences for first time drug offenses, something virtually unheard of anywhere else in this world. African Americans are not significantly more likely to use or sell prohibited drugs than whites, but they are made criminals at drastically higher rates for precisely the same conduct. The conditions at Parchman were brought into the national spotlight in the 1960s when civil rights activists were imprisoned there. Let's say you were a student in the 60s you probably would have gone on a freedom ride to Mississippi, joined a protest, and you might have ended up arrested and in parchment, where there would have been deplorable conditions unfit for human habitation, as one federal judge put it after visiting the prison in the early 1970s. You would have shared a rotted out mattress with rodents and insects, drank brown water with rust, and smelled the backed up feces everywhere. Your charge might have been protesting, or as the Mississippi police called it, disturbing the peace, loitering, inciting a riot, even if you were practicing nonviolence. These conditions led to a major lawsuit against the prison that demanded parchment be improved. The guards were instructed to break their spirit, not their bones, but activists responded with singing.
Parchment still functions as a maximum security prison and can house over 4,800 prisoners who still farm the land and work without compensation. In 1987, the BBC produced an award-winning documentary called 14 Days in May, which was about the execution of Edward Earl Johnson. The film shows black prisoners working alongside the road with an armed white prison guard on a horse shouting at them, the same image that you could have seen in the early 1900s. Here is a clip from one of the interviews from this documentary. The conditions here are similar to slavery time. The only thing difference between now and 1860 is the year. The word games are just that, you know, they, they're, they're, it's mostly like a, a make-work situation, whereas rather than just sitting idle as we do, they give them something to do, you know, cleaning up around here, cutting grass, digging ditches, you know, it's, it's, it's slavery modified into today's world. You know, it's just a big plantation that's been changed by the by the name. You know, instead of calling it a plantation, they they call it a farm. But you know, there's no difference. More recently, after a decade of budget cuts with reduced and underpaid staff, 2019 and January 2020 brought Parchman once again into the national spotlight with new photographs of deplorable conditions and a series of deaths, nine in total, due to suicide and other forms of violence. Rappers Jay-Z and Yogati filed a lawsuit against the prison in February of this year. If you go there today, you'll also see a plaque on the side of the road, a Mississippi Blues Trail marker commemorating Parchment Farms music tradition from the recordings of traditional songs by Alan Lomax to blues singers such as Buka White, who wrote the song I just played, Parchment Farm Blues. The prison also inspired Mose Allison's Parchment Farm, which was covered by Bobby Gentry, who tells it from the perspective of a woman whose man is serving time. Pay attention to the second verse when she talks about the prisoner picking cotton in a 10-foot sack with a 12-gauge shotgun at his back. A man's over there on parchment farm. 
Beyond music, Parchment has been featured in films and books from authors like William Faulkner and Jasmine Ward are reading this week. I want to conclude with the voice of a former incarcerated person, John Knight, who served time at Parchment and was recently featured on rapper T.I.'s podcast, Expeditiously. This was recorded in January 2020. Question that I want to ask you as, as we start rounding things out, bro, if... Back in those days, bro, when when you were locked up in parchment, man, let's say if you had the opportunity to speak then, and I'm not trying to say that you that that you know it's your responsibility to be the voice for everybody that is locked up in parchment right now, but what, what would you think? You know, somebody that was in that situation right now, what, what would you think they would want to say if we could put a mic in front of their in front of their face? First and foremost, they they're crying for help. Because they lost. Yeah. They just throw it in there, man. Can you just imagine, just close your eyes and imagine getting thrown in a, a cold cell with a concrete slab with no cover, no food, feces in your toilet, urine all on the floor, mosquitoes and bugs crawling in your door. Help me, man. Get me out of here. They're trying to kill me. That's exactly how I felt. That's exactly when I was in 32 lockdown and deep building tier four. That's how I felt. Like they was trying to kill me. Just throw him in there. He don't want to go out there and pick no damn peas. Throw his ass in his cell. He just another number, 58131. I'll never forget that. You know what I'm saying? So it's a memory and a physical feeling that you're going to forever have if you go to prison. And you do hard time like in Parchment, Mississippi, Mississippi Department of Corrections, period. You constantly have to worry, is this guard going to whoop my ass? Is they going to come in with my ass tonight? Or uh, is this going to happen? If they're going to turn this brother against me, I've been knowing you all my life. And now we come to prison. Now you hate me. For no reason, because this guard sliding you this or sliding you that and saying I'm this. Help me. Get me out of here. I'll be good. You know, that's how, that's how pretty it's making people bow down. It's breaking them to the point where they weak black men. And that's what their system was made to do. And that's what it's doing. They won't help, bro. If, if it was me, what I just said, and I fully hard believe, that's what them guys would say the same thing, man. Mm-hmm. I want out of here, man. I did enough time. I'm sorry. You know what I'm saying? Help me. Man. That's what they're crying out for help. Now, every inbox, every text I got right now, bro, please help me, man. Yeah. Whatever you can do, whoever you can help me, right. just get me out of here. They want to get out of there, man. As we hear John Knight's voice, and the other voices of singers, prisoners, and fictional characters we read in Sing Unburied Sing. We can feel the legacy of one of the U.S.'s oldest prisons and how its history haunts us today.